In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Southern Sports Today proudly presents The Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. An unexpected question by one SEC monster program may save another coach's job. It is Chuck Oliver Show on a Tuesday. Hope everybody's having just a glorious day. Thank you for coming here for whatever it is, either like detailed college football conversation, and I hope that you, like when the guests come on, they answer all the drill-down questions you may have, uh, commentary and information, whatever it is you know, I'm bringing in the show, and Heath, and just everything. I hope you, you, you enjoy that. Maybe it's just white noise. You love college football, and you'd love just kind of like when you have a baseball game on in the radio. It's just kind of there, and you're like, well, whatever reason, I appreciate you coming here. I say an unexpected question by one SEC monster program. That's LSU. And there was a question. I was looking at an LSU position group. And a little bit of the front seven, but really just a position group, the defensive line, and I'll even drill down a little more than that, the defensive tackles. It's a, it is 14 steps like left of whatever it is I was starting down the path of. That's where I wound up. Because the path was, hey, is Harold Perkins going to be better with this new defense? And so they don't start for a couple of weeks. Like, Auburn's out there. There are teams out there. We got SEC teams playing football. But LSU starts March 5th, I think. And I'm funny thing is, I was trying to figure out, what are they going to do up front? And specifically at tackle up front. Because when LSU signed the number one kid in the state... Back on sign like three weeks ago. Dominic McKinley. Five-star defensive tackle. Aren't nearly enough of those. What you have never heard any coach say ever. What am I going to do with all these defensive tackles? I've just got too many. Um, No, you don't. Dominic McKinley's a five-star defensive tackle. There just aren't enough. And then you look at the kid's body, and it looks like he could maybe survive if he knows what he's doing a little bit. But... He's 18, and in the interior of the line in the SEC, that's no place to try to grow up. Like, you've got to be you've got to be a really special, different sort of kid to play on the line as a freshman either side. And on the interior, folks, it's like being dropped into a pinball machine. And, except if you don't do your job, somebody gets hurt. Like, the guy gets hurt. Dominant McKinley can play, I think. And if you carry 6'5 and a half, 280, and that's like a legitimate, you know, measuring tape and scale. So when Dominic McKinley 
signed and he was squared away because who was it? A uh, and M was a lot of school. Everybody wanted him, but Dominic McKinley's like, nope, going to LSU. So he signed. Thank goodness we got Dominic McKinley. That kid will play. Now, any school that signs a five-star tackle, defensive tackle, number one kid in state, especially a good state like this. Um, all right, yeah. I was like, I, I mean, I get it, but I remember thinking, this is a little too excited. Like, this is Jadavion Clowney sort of stuff. And he was five-star in state. He was an end, and so that's more doable. But I was like, this is a, they're a little too excited, maybe, maybe. And then I started drilling down more, and we talked about this right after signing day. LSU lost a lot of talent, like three really good tackles to the league, or the draft, potentially. They've got a couple of coming back, and then that was kind of it. As far as tackles, after the excitement over Dominic McKinley was clearly more than just, hey, we got a pretty good kid for the future, um, I started really looking at this, and it is one of the biggest questions any LSU, excuse me, any SEC head coach has this offseason is how will LSU survive on the interior? And then that's going to spread out to like the entire line. And then to the whole reason I was looking at this group in the first place was what are you going to do with Harold Perkins? Now the idea is they're going to move him back inside and keep him there. Oh no, that was a disaster last year. This year it's going to be different. Last year it was a drop. Keep it in front of you. Read the play. All right, close. Harold Perkins can do a lot of that. That's not what they're going to do this year in an even front with Harold in the middle, not on the outside, not playing nickel or whatever. He's going to be on the inside, and they're going to be more aggressive. Now, that's why I originally was going down this path, Harold Perkins. And I was like, who's going to keep the guards off Harold Perkins if they can get to him, if they can get to the spot? You know all that. I was like, what's going to happen up front? Well, they have made some additions. Junior college transfer, kid named Sean Washington. The five-star true freshman, McKinley. Got a three-star true freshman, Demirian Johnson. Got a three-star true freshman who's really an in, but hey, it's spring, let's see. And I don't want to say most alarming. I don't want to say that. Most alarming of all, Kelly said to USA Today, this was, I think, two days after signing day, the Friday of that week of signing day. Kelly said to USA Today, it's possible LSU could, quote, move a few offensive linemen to defense for spring ball. Some of that has been determined, if you have not seen. Uh, there's one offensive lineman, Kimo Makanaole. Did I say that correctly? Heath, did I say that correctly? Did I get that pronunciation right? I'm going to say sure. Why not? Okay. Thank you, Heath. Um, that he's moving to defense. He's a backup offensive lineman. Well, we've got five starters. Kimo, come get you some at three technique. Kimo's like, uh, yeah, okay. So he's over there. The freshman defensive end I told you about, the guy's really an end, but he's going to play tackle because, hey, it's spring. Ahmad Bro will probably take some snaps there this spring. LSU is looking to build depth at that position. Um, and so they actually 
My goodness, they start when next Tuesday or Wednesday. My, I thought it was further down the road. They're here. And so he's trying. This is sort of we're towing the line of what we're going to do at defensive tackle. When I say that there was an unexpected question about LSU that may save another coach's job, when I started seeing what they're doing at tackle for spring, now understand the 15th through the 30th of April, you can get another kid. You can go to the portal again. If it's from an SEC school, he can't play this year. So that's what that is. But if he's from somewhere else, you can still go get kids. Still do it 15th through the 30th, like two months from now. You can be wrapping up your final portal additions for the year. So it is a work in progress, and it really kind of does need to be because outside of the two kids you have coming back, Gilroy and Lee, outside of Juco transfer, who – that's a mixed bag always. The five-star, but true freshman, like you've got a bunch of stories here. He's a five-star and a true freshman. Then it's a, he's a three-star and a true freshman. Then it's a three-star and he's kind of short and he's an end. Then, well, he's an offensive lineman, but he's kind of tough. Like, don't we really quickly get to the stories? Like the context, the asterisk? And when I was looking at that group, when the entire focus of my question was Harold Perkins, I immediately thought, when do we play LSU? As in, whoever you are, when do we play LSU? Because if you look at the LSU defensive front seven, yes, they're going to be more aggressive. They're going to keep Harold in the middle. Um, There ain't enough tackles in front of him. And you simply peel day after day off the calendar. And I started looking at the back end of the LSU slate. And I'm like, who can this benefit? Who can this be a maybe for? Billy Napier is all butt fired. And I said I had an expectation that Billy probably gets whacked after the old Miss loss. Now, What you have on this schedule, I said, is the exact opposite of what you kind of need. Billy Napier going into this season, I think it's like a five and seven thing. And the reason I now, I was thinking before today, yeah, I know how this goes. They're not even going to get the seven, maybe. Maybe it'll be five and six. And I asked somebody who knows the program last week, outside of wins, is there anything that Billy Napier can show real progress outside of dubs, because I don't think there's a lot on the schedule, outside of wins, is there anything he can show that will show enough progress with the program that he keeps his job? No. I tried to couch this in every arm's length phrase possible, and before I could finally get the period out of my no, I really don't think there is. And so I'm digging the LSU schedule, and I'm checking September, and then I'm on to October, and I'm wondering when one injury, literally one injury, much less injury to whoever the best kid winds up being, or maybe a freshman, it's just too much. Not next year, but this year, maybe. I'm like, as we get deeper into the season, when is that lack of depth? When might you start an offensive lineman in a November conference game? 
And November starts for Florida with a couple of games that I'm going to tell you. I mean, Lord knows it's February 27th. We're not going to play the win-loss game. We're going to play the maybe game. They're not beating Georgia or they're not beating Texas out in Austin. That's that's a little too much for them. They're not winning those games. Shy of something where... Do you know what the, the deal is? The the I don't know. This was confirmed. Hey, did Florida State really lose the Sugar Bowl rematch to Florida because of food poisoning? Wasn't that like 30 kids and they couldn't want to function? And so, like, sh- shy of 30 kids showing up morning of the game in Jacksonville with food poisoning, that's a bit much for Florida to win that day. And then they follow that seven days later. They're in Austin. They're not winning either of those games. And so they're supposed to be in this death spiral at that point. And the idea was lose a lot of games early. Well, we can handle that. Turn it over to DJ Lagway and he'll get us through the rest of the season. It's not really the kind of schedule where you turn it over to the freshman at midseason and say, go get some Bulldog and then go get some Longhorn. Mm-mm. Then there's LSU and it's at home. And if by this time it has become pretty obvious that it's so doable they're so gettable in the middle of that line that harold perkins is now affected and he's way le- you see this working is there any recipe for playing a true freshman who needs to splash around in the shallow end of the playbook pool then we've got a beat up team coming in here with no tackles and we can run the ball a lot they play alabama the week before florida Play Texas A&M week before that. Play Arkansas, play Ole Miss. You see where this goes. It's the SEC. Like, there's outside of Missouri, um, there aren't a lot of easy schedules. LSU goes into Gainesville that deep in the season, and they're coming in potentially at the kind of shape in the middle of that defense that they could be. That is the blueprint. That's the data circle, November 16th, for Napier to hand it over to Lagway. That's an opportunity. There's talent on the Florida roster. Talent enough to debate going five wins, six wins, or seven wins. Why can't one of them be against an LSU team that you can run the ball all day on? And then you get a freshman with a little confidence and a whole new playbook is opened up and then Lane Kiffin and his defensive staff have to roll into Gainesville the very next day. And let's back up to that season ending game in Tallahassee. Who among us? Raise your hand can promise me, can guarantee me, who among us knows what kind of team Florida State's going to have this year? Is any of this going to happen? I don't know. Is all of it going to happen? Doubtful. But you see a path because nothing I just talked about is outlandish. And the very first brick in this entire wall, I think it's likely. LSU, as the season goes on, I promise you they're very shaky two and a half deep week one. Not going to look the same November 16th, folks. That is the day. Circle that. That is Billy Napier's opportunity to get something done at home, roll it in the next week against Ole Miss at home, and then save his job and potentially move on to the DJ Lagway area in 25. That is the day. All right, we're going to take a break. Jump into it next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. 
Tuesday on Chuck Oliver Show. And I, I guess I need to, if you care, uh, Del McGee. I don't know, man. You've been on a national championship staff. You've been like one of the OGs, like the guy left from the original staff from 2016, you and one other guy. Um, and then you take over following the details of the previous coach's departure. I'm interested in who you hire, especially because you've never been a coordinator yourself and you've never been a head coach. So you've got plenty on your plate than, I don't know, for the first time since maybe high, you were a high school coach. Um, you know, you're running a program. Interim coach for a bowl game at Georgia Southern is different. So he wanted to bring in coordinators, and I was interested. Well, name, value, and a little bit of familiarity, somebody you could lean on as a personal favor. I will throw you a bone here, and I need you to say yes. This is not a great job, but it's a great opportunity. Jim Chaney, who if we DeLorean back to Kirby's first staff, he was the OC. Quarterbacks coach there too, a few years, and then I want to say it was Jeremy Pruitt that came along and true loved him and just broke him off big time. Was that right? I want to say it was Jeremy Pruitt. So he goes up to Tennessee. It did not work out very well for anybody with the whole Jeremy Pruitt thing. Um, so he's been in the league a little bit. He's been down the street at Georgia Tech. Well, he's been around, all right? He's a guy that's been coaching like 35-something years, 40 years almost. And so it's a big-name, accomplished guy for a downtown big-city program that is mostly ignored two blocks from campus. That's just the truth. This is a big hire. It really is. It's. I mean, it's. You know, Texas State got Dennis Francione. Like that was kind of a big deal. You know, UT San Antonio. We'll take Larry Coker. Um, Kevin Shear is now the DC. So Cheney's the OC, and Kevin Shear, who again was also with Kirby, uh, his first staff there at Georgia, and he's been around at Tennessee with Jim Cheney. So, and he's been in the league and then back and was just down the street at Georgia Tech as well. So, Dell is kind of checking boxes. He needed a couple of coordinators because he really does need some guys who can run things. Like Deshaun Foster's out there. He's like, Eric Bieniemy's my OC. Here are the keys. You drive this. I've got a lot of stuff to do. Uh, hey, how's the Tuesday, man? Well, I, I will say this. I, I, I'm real interested to see where this goes with, with Dell McGee because – Cheney's one of those guys, Chuck, that you keep seeing him get jobs. If you remember when Kirby originally brought him to the staff, even then the talk was, yeah, you know, Cheney was okay, but the guy they really wanted was Sam Pittman, and he and Pittman were best buddies. And yeah. so, uh, you know, if getting Sam Pittman away from Arkansas to be the O-line coach and recruiter, if the cost of that was Jim Cheney as your coordinator, well, it was a price worth paying and you could argue that turned out to be true because Pittman was fantastic, obviously, uh, to go from true. an SEC O-line coach to an SEC head coaching job. You have to be really special. But you know, Cheney was one of those guys who kept getting jobs, and you kind of said, man, I don't quite get it. I don't see – he must Ted be a Rufish. great dude. He must be an amazing hang because I don't see the production on the field to justify the kind of jobs, the kind of money he got. But to get a guy like that at Georgia State with that resume, it's pretty good – Pretty good play. And, and obviously, sure, a guy who's been working in the state, a guy who's worked in the league. So now for, for Georgia State, I don't know if long-term you can hold on to those guys, but to, 
to get those guys as as buddy connections for even a year to get yourself started. That's a pretty good move for Del exactly. McGee. Uh, Chuck, did you by any wild chance see the picture that came out of Tuscaloosa yesterday? No. Uh, regarding? Pertaining? Uh, the picture was sent out by a gentleman named Matthew Watley, who apparently is connected to Alabama football. And it was a picture of a red Ferrari that was not exactly well parked. It's parked. It's sticking about eh, maybe a quarter of the way into the no parking zone, but it's parked. And the uh, the tag on it underneath was, guess who showed up to work today? And he said, uh, your former coach could never. So whatever um, whatever Coach Nick's been doing, wherever Miss Terry's had him, whatever he's been doing when he's not bodyboarding, apparently yesterday he uh, he hopped in the Ferrari and, and dropped by the offices there in Tuscaloosa. I think I would enjoy seeing Nick Saban trying to drive and park this vehicle, Chuck. I don't know if maybe they could make this a feature on game day since he's going to be doing some TV work. Like every week, Nick takes out one of his sports cars and tries to tries to parallel park that somewhere on the site of the game day set or something. Oh, my God, it's Meadow Soprano. I, I mean, I, I'm telling you, this would be, just judging by this parking job, because this, this is not even a parallel parking job. This is just a, no, a straight-up pull-in job. This is not good for anybody, what uh, you're talking about. And by the way, your coach Saban, A, like there's Saban radar for Alabama fans. He's around. At the car, too? Don't you get an F-150 or something? Yeah, that would probably be a better way to be low-key. But, uh, but yeah, so anyway... Uh, be be forewarned if you're in the greater Tuscaloosa area. Uh, Coach Saban is there and apparently driving a, a bright red Ferrari that I must admit, very impressive ride. I, not to say that my 2002 Highlander that I drove into work today wasn't impressive in its own right, but yeah, this might win if we were going battle for battle on the car here. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today is your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. But um, if you if you see that driving through the uh, the Crystal Drive through or whatever, you might want to wave and say hi. He takes the T tops out, puts the Detroit Tigers hat on, Mike Post greatest hits cassette. I I could see all of this happen. I really could. <laughs> Coach Saban, go go with the pickup truck, man. To Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Growing up, I was real little. There was this cartoon, Land of the Lost. That's beginning. Somehow, I don't know, Dad and a couple of kids, they're in this raft and they wound up in this just portal, this, 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 this swirling, just 
time thing to some other place, and it's mysterious, and we don't know what's down there. Is that Georgia State right now? Like, they hired a guy that's been around a whole lot of, like, elite top-level success, and he's been there for all of it. Do you really know, or are you just kind of in that raft, like, flying into that swirling whatever? I mean, you hired Del McGee to be your head coach. What kind of head coach is he? I don't – well, actually, I do know. I Carver Columbus, he was a state champion. It's Carver Columbus. It's not Georgia State, so – They've got a head coach, and now he has coordinators that have a lot more of a, a track record at their positions. But there's some unknown. There is a lot of faith um, when a team hires a head coach with zero head coaching experience or even coordinator experience. To get to the bottom of all this and a lot more, want to welcome on. He is college football matrix. It's Dave Bartu. Dave, how's your Tuesday? Brother Chuck, it is going great. Absolutely Polar cold out here, though, in Oregon. Had a little bit of snow this morning, but uh, football-wise, ah, couldn't be going any better. you got to be busy, busy, busy. Um, and you got the combine as well. you got all kinds of things going on, so let's get, you, uh, let's get you to work. First of all, I said from College Football Matrix, tell everybody what you do with your laptop. Well, we, we tell stories with numbers. That's what it is. The, uh, uh, we try to set the expectations, especially on coaching, whether it's coaching in college football, coaching in the NFL, um, now coaching as it relates to drafting players. Um, it uh, My life in football revolves around numbers and, and telling the stories of expectations of coaching. And you have told us that when it comes to the next level, the NFL, you have had clients and said you will take the Pepsi challenge on your quarterback analysis versus anybody else. And you're actually branching out to other threads as well. And you're going to be in Indianapolis, right? Yep, yep. There's a uh, there is an awful lot of uh, folks that uh, invited me out there. It wasn't on my own regard. Never even crossed my mind uh, until enough GMs, assistant GMs, are like, "You're going to be here. You're going to be here. Be nice to talk to you." And so uh, there's a lot of folks there, and uh, I'll be in the mix of it. Well, there you go. It makes dollars, so it makes sense. Um, all right, let's talk about Del McGee. Uh, first mm-hmm. of all, uh, tell me your take on I, – I, I think for what Georgia State is risking here, which is not much, heck, yeah, hire somebody with some name value who you think can recruit and whatever else, I guess. Um, tell me more tangible stuff about Del McGee as a head coach and running a program. Well, as a head coach, just like you said, I mean, there's no grade. We don't know. We don't know what, what what they're getting into. Now we've got a guy who's a veteran, right? He's He has seen a lot of college football. He has seen a lot of college football management. The guy's from the state. He recruits wonderfully uh, over his career. So it seems like a logical risk for a Georgia State to throw that dart. But as for how it's going to turn out, <laughs> you know, you and I, we got no numbers on a guy who's never been a head coach. So uh, I usually start deferring it to, well, how much talent does he have right now? Uh, What's the schedule look like relative to that talent? And then what's his coaching staff when he puts it together? Is it going to be a bunch of his best buddies that can't coach very well? Or is he going to take some risks and try to get some guys that are up and coming and develop a, a younger culture of maybe guys he doesn't know, but pieces he's trying to fit together? Jim Chaney, that's a lot of name recognition. Uh, Kevin Shear, a good amount as well. Uh, tell me what you think Del McGee has in 2024, not 
who, oh, yeah, I remember him from 2016. No, tell me what you think Georgia State has now as the beginnings of the staff starts to be made. Well, you know, um, veteran guys, the names just rattled off there. So uh, it's it's hard to, from a coaching continuity, I mean, look at this. We're, We're trying to build a staff in March, man. Yeah. Right? I mean, we got March, you know, March, April. And then you're going to get the summer off. There's not going to be a lot. There's not a lot of connectivity between this staff and playing a football game September 1. There's just not. So um, I, I would I would venture to guess that a lot of the pieces for Dell, in a way, even if I disagree with it on paper, they got to be guys that are somehow have a little bit of connectivity uh, because I think it's going to be difficult to assimilate all of this with the staff and the players so quickly. Um, I, I think it's going to have to be a little bit more on the side of guys that, uh, that McGee knows better that they can get along with quickly. Oh, that, uh, He spent that currency. That's absolutely what he was doing. He was bringing like a little bit, let's bring the band back together from the early days of Kirby. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely what it is. Now here's the funny thing. I said earlier in the program, you get a block off the Georgia state campus, the Bulldogs, the Georgia Bulldogs are the more important program. Uh, so let's talk about what Kirby did as his pivot because we talked last week, Brian McClendon, he lit out for the NFL, and then um, he lost another assistant as well, Del McGee, obviously. Uh, talk about Josh Crawford first, the Georgia Tech wide receivers coach, who's now going to be a running backs coach, and do you care that he hasn't done that before? Well, I don't care. Well, I do because McGee's running backs have performed so well. McGee is one of your top – 10 percentile running back coaches for recruiting and performance over the last 15 years. So replacing him extraordinarily difficult. It doesn't it almost doesn't matter who they bring in on paper. To me, it's going to be a downgrade, but you bring in a guy with no running back coach experience, really don't like that a whole lot. But again, you and I've talked about this on the show, your outside coaches need to first and foremost be recruiters. So that would be my first question on this guy. Okay, he's a running back coach. Can he recruit running backs, right? Can he recruit guys uh, and get them to Athens and stick in Athens? That would be the first and foremost concern that I have. So I don't have an answer to that. So, again, we have a, we have a running back coach with zero running back coach experience. So I think that's a clear downgrade there. As far as wide receiver coach goes, again, kind of the same thing. James Coley? Uh, yeah, you know, is now we know he can recruit. That's his that's his go to. Everybody has talked about James as a recruiter. As a coach, yeah, he's a mid level coach, but so was McClendon. McClendon wasn't anything special for his career either. So uh, I think it was recruiter out, recruiter in in that standpoint. I think of the two positions, I think the biggest change clearly was from McGee to a you know, running back coach with well, no running back coach experience. If we look at UCLA, um, Bear Piennemi just got hired as OC, and there's all kind of reaction to this. That uh, Now, Deshaun, I think I, this is clear, and he would even tell people, I believe, that he's like, yeah, I've never been a head coach. I need some, I need some experienced guys who I really can leave the coordinating to because I've got to do all this head coach stuff. So that is Eric Bieniemy, but two reactions. Great for Eric Bieniemy. He'll really get a chance to get the keys this time and run it uh, to, oh, my goodness, it should be so much more than this. Give me your evaluation of Eric Bieniemy. Um, just aside from all the commentary about what should have happened and whatever, what do you think UCLA has? 
Has he called a play before? I don't think he's ever called a play before, dude. I mean, I've seen him wearing the headset, but has he called plays? Colorado, maybe 10, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, maybe. Um, Would you count that? I ain't counting that. (laughs) It was for Embry. It did not go well. Yeah, I mean, let, let's let's just that, that's one of those situations where oh, he was calling the place. It was bad. Well, he wasn't calling the place. It was still bad, right? And so, with with the enemy, it's it's really simple. When I'm looking at the piece of paper, it's no different than the guy we just talked about that is taking over for Del McGee. This is no different than Del McGee being a head coach. What's your opinion on a guy who's never done the job before? I don't have one. Right? I don't have one. So um, with UCLA, I mean, this is, you want to talk about the biggest crapshoot right now. You bring in a guy who's an NFL running back coach to now be your college football head coach, and you bring in an offensive coordinator that's never coordinated before. And and now they're walking into the Big Ten, which is the best coach league in college football. Oh, man, I've been. I've been <laughs> whatever the win total is for UCLA next year, I don't mind fading that one right now. That's what the man does, Dave Bartu. We're going to take a quick break, come back, jump into a little ACC, SEC, a little in the South next. King of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. Hour one, Chuck Oliver Show on this Tuesday. Mike Brown. North Carolina, the past five seasons, his second go-around there. We're talking Tar Heels last week. His second go-around, he is 38-27 and 27 over five years. He's had an NFL quarterback every one of those five seasons. He's 38-27. and 27. As unimpressive as that is, go look at the 38. Mercer, Georgia State, Wofford, Western Carolina, like they've scheduled like 10 of those wins. He's had an NFL quarterback every day for five college seasons, and he's basically 500 against teams that aren't Wofford. Like, it's got to be better than that. He's made some changes on defense. Want to welcome back in from CFB Matrix, it's Dave Bartu. We're going to talk about Mac and his two new guys over on defense, sort of new guys. Uh, but first of all, I said your college football matrix. Um, tell everybody how to get in touch with you about coaching stuff. Oh, you know something? The uh, text line is yep. one of the best ways to do it. 971-217-8419. Uh, in fact, I dare say I get more texts back and forth, questions, thoughts, ideas uh, from your listeners than anybody else. So if, if you're out there listening right now and you've sent me a text and I have uh, responded to you or I have not, I apologize for that. But uh, appreciate everybody out there listening and uh, chiming in because I uh, just can't get enough football here. Yeah, and as you said, you've heard from folks on the border regions. Uh, one sitting SEC head coach got in touch with you after the show. Um, so that's awesome. All right, what about everybody, regardless if you got a college football question or not, my shoulders hurt, my hips, my knees, my ankles, uh, what can you do? Dude, I love seeing the uh, coupon code King of CFB. 
coming across the the, the shipping uh, at hemforpros.com. So Pro Athletes Hemp Association um, partnered up with uh, NFL alumni uh, using CBD and other hemp extracts. Uh, you got sleep issues, you got pain issues, you got inflammation issues. Go to hemforpros.com and always use coupon code KING of CFB for 25% off. All right, North Carolina, you were listening. They've got Sam Howell and Drake May, and then they're basically 500 against better than Mercer and Western Carolina. Like, you can't – that can't be – that's not acceptable. That's not good oh, enough. So, right? Ted Monachino – what? Yeah. yeah. I was like, why haven't more people brought this up? I, I mean, you, you, you have two NFL, not just – and not like undrafted free agent, free agent NFL no. quarterbacks, right? No. I mean, Howell is what, round three? Round four? I, mean, I don't even care what. And Drake two? May may be second overall. Right. And Howell's been playing football. He's been on the field. And nobody, you were the first person that I've heard bring this up going, dude, you're a top 25 recruiter. You guys are a top four recruiter in your conference, and you don't have jack, not even close to jack squat to show for it. It's and that's amazing. A, and that's a really good state to recruit in as well. So his two adjustments are on defense. Ted Monachino, who was an analyst there, and I don't know if you care about this. He hasn't been an on-field college coach in almost 20 years. He was at Arizona State from 01 to 05, and then he's been in the league, and he's been an analyst. He was an analyst at UNC last season, and now he's the D-line coach, so that's new. And then Jeff Collins, who I am a big fan of Jeff Collins as a position or coordinator or whatever i don't know that i wanted to run my program but i think he's a really good coach coach uh tell me about mac and north carolina and these two changes well you know the 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 collins one um on paper is one of the biggest defensive coordinator upgrades in college football this year um if if North, north 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 carolina hasn't had a defensive coordinator with this high of a grade in a really long time and it's the best guy on paper that Mac has had since Will Muschamp. You know, Mac, wow. Mac just hasn't hired good defensive coordinators at all. So the great thing for Jeff is, I mean, this thing's at the floor, right? He, he's he's inheriting a top 25 recruiter whose defense is at the bottom end. So there's there should be nowhere but up uh, for North Carolina defensively. It's it's To me, it's almost too bad that it's taken this long because I would have paid good money to see Phil Longo and Jeff Collins being the OCDC combo at North Carolina with Sam Howell. Now, that would have been wicked, wicked good. But um, so, so the defensive side of it, maybe we're solving that over the next couple of years. Offensively, though, um, it's still just middle of the road. And I just don't think Mac has been able to put both coordinators together at a good level his entire time he's been there. All right, SEC, before we let you run, um, Gerald Chapman, he was at Tulane. Now he's in Gainesville. Ron Roberts, who I like, and I think he's a really good coach, and I still even thought that after 4th and 31, but you can't survive that. So he's in town. Uh, And then Will Harris as well, and there was turnover. Tell me what you think about some of the, the net gains for Billy there. Well, you know, something with Chapman, a uh, young upcoming guy there. He was one of our higher graded uh, defensive line coaches for 2023. Uh, so not a lot on him because he, because he hasn't been a D line coach for very long. So this is, this is a young 
uh, rising star in terms of his experience. So that's an interesting turnover. Ron Roberts, a lot of people don't know how well he's worked with Billy in the past. So Ron has been, in my opinion, an excellent mentor. If you look at his history of DC's connected with him, uh, Ron has a high ceiling. He's got a mid-floor, so he, he's going to be an above-average D.C., but he's also a very good mentor. So I, I, I believe he's coming in to try to help Armstrong, who of his two of three years as a defense coordinator has been poor. Uh, the Will Harris, really solid. That was a nice reach. Uh, really liked that acquisition. I think there's a lot of things. Of all the guys that uh, I think fit the best, uh, for them, I think the Will Harris acquisition is the best one. Uh, certainly the highest ceiling one is Chapman. We'll see where that goes over the next few years. Tell me where Christian Robinson's career is right now. Um, oh. Because he has a has had a lot of jobs at a lot of really good programs. And I'm surprised he keeps moving. I mean, I know what the life is, is as an assistant coach. But why hasn't he gotten like to the T-Rob level or the boom level, the must champ level like 15 years ago? Why isn't he taking that that next step? Because I've been hearing from about a decade. He's he's ready. He's next. Yeah, he's ready. Well, a lot of it just could be marketing. Menelissa, one of those, you know, a couple of those guys, one of those two guys you rattled off. I don't think that is that good on the field. Maybe a good recruiter, you know. So, but it's hard to really break through, right? I mean, look at the SEC, man. There's 16 teams. There's only 16 DCs in the SEC. It's hard to break through on that. So, but this is the this is the lifestyle these guys sign up for, and it's always best available program, best available paycheck. Anytime, so yeah, he 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 has bounced around quite a bit, but uh, he's got a lot of SEC experience, and I think it was a good replacement for the situation for Auburn. All right, um, last thing I want to ask you about is, yep. and I we talked about this a little bit before, um, but the overall effect of Blake Baker, the LSU just complete resnap, uh, reset on defense there because I was talking earlier in the show that they're just shy on tackles. And if you don't have players, I mean, you can have the best X's and O's in the world, but um, at least tell me what you think uh, the defensive coach's room is going to look like this year. Bo Davis, fantastic. Corey Raymond, everybody knows him. Probably Kevin Peoples and Jake Olson, not as much. So those two kids, uh, those two guys. Yeah, you know the one the one guy that people don't know much on that that our numbers really like uh, rising star is Peoples. I think this guy's tremendous. Uh, might be the best uh, upside of everybody that LSU acquired. Now LSU across the board, D line, linebacker, uh, you know, safeties, cornerbacks, defensive coordinator, everything was upgraded because as we said on this show last year at this time. Um, LSU had the lowest graded defensive staffing profile in the SEC. And so there's upgrades across the board there. LSU also, I mean, it's an NFL factory. This is, this is the program with the number two level of starts in the NFL over the last 10 years, number two in the entire country in NFL starts over the last decade. So LSU is really not short on talent ever. So, as much as the defensive upgrades are there, I love the people's upgrade. You know, the biggest thing I got circled right now is a question mark is you lose Denbrock, five-star tight end coach, four-star offensive coordinator, and you go next man up with Joe Sloan. Of all these changes in the staff, the one that I'm curious on, the one that 
I have the biggest question mark on that I'm interested to see how it pans out is not the defensive side. I think those are going to be fine. That was solid all the way across the board. But it's that Joe Sloan hire at offensive coordinator. I am really curious to see if he has uh, what it takes to be an OC in the SEC. Okay, I'm going to give everybody, because we got to run a seven-day tease. Next Tuesday, I'm going to ask you about new Marshall OC, Seth Deggie, former college quarterback, played in the league for like 15 minutes, has bounced around, spent about 10 years as combination of a coach, as an analyst, et cetera. So we're going to talk Seth Deggie. He, he might be the next guy. Uh, we'll talk him in seven days. Uh, deal? Deal. All right, Dave Bartu from College Football Matrix. Uh, appreciate your time, friend. Thank you. Take it easy, buddy. Seth Dagey, former college quarterback at um, Texas Tech. Had a brother who played at a couple of different schools, but big time accomplished as a quarterback in college. And then as that's the history he has. Um, was one of those um, Texas high school legends. That you hear about a lot of them come from the Dallas area. Uh, he did not, but went on to college, went on to coaching, and has been hired now as the OC at Marshall, which is kind of like Lincoln Riley was at East Carolina. And so, a little bit of buzz out there about uh, who may be next because we're always looking at the young, hot offensive assistant. And so, uh, he's a guy that somebody could be targeting uh, as we get through this next offseason. A lifetime of hard work children laughing in the kitchen family photos on a restaurant wall a legacy that lives on it all comes from the power of a conversation like the one tommy hall had with first horizon bank about taking over his father's charleston-based restaurant business now the table is set for a whole new generation first horizon bank let's find a way go to firsthorizon.com tommy first horizon bank member fdic Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 